Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 235. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good day. And Greg is joining us from the Hockey Writers. Greg, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, guys. So why don't you tell my readers where they can find your, uh, find your work, just so we can get all the introduction out of the way. Sure. Um, well, I am one of the... Flames writers for the hockeywriters.com. And so that's exactly where you can find me and the Calgary Flames page of the hockeywriters.com. I've uh, write a couple articles a week and um, it's been a lot of fun this year, actually covering these guys uh, last year, not so much this year, you know, quite a bit of fun actually. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the flames today and uh, helping you guys out. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, for those wanting to check out his work on social media, it's Greg Tysowski. Uh, Tysowski, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Greg Tysowski. So, uh, Greg, I'm really happy you joined us today. Uh, we have a ton to talk about. And, you know, the Canadians and Flames have a little bit of a, a connection here this week. Now that Tyler Toffoli is wearing a Flames uniform. As we record, it is... Tuesday, the 15th of February, and Toffoli will be making his debut tonight uh, in Calgary against against, um, Columbus. Yes. So why don't we just kick uh, kick off the talk about the trade from the point of view of the Flames. So how big of a home run is this? Well, I think it's a huge deal because uh, I've been you know, talking to my fellow Flames writers at thehockeywriters.com and uh, just looking at social media and just talking to even just my Flames fans, friends, and everyone is really impressed that the Flames pulled this off without really having to part with any of their really coveted prospects. Like Heineman came via trade through Sam Bennett. And so he's, he's not even a prospect who this organization picked. He came in via trade. And so guys like uh, Pelche and... Connor Zary and Dustin Wolf. Like there were people were worried that we'd have to lose someone that everyone really likes. And so, not that we didn't like Heineman because I think he's a great, great player too. But I think people were impressed with that. And sure, we lose a first round pick, but uh, that's the price you've got to pay for, you know, to get a good, uh, a good veteran player come back the other way. So it's it's kind of a home run. Like uh, my fellow hockey writer Colton Pank, who said like this was a home run. Like this was something that the Flames needed desperately. 
if I heard the term secondary scoring one more time, I was going to jump off a building. So now we can kind of put that to rest for a little bit at least. And so, so no, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been very positive. Like, I can't really see a lot of naysayers saying this was a bad deal for the Flames. Everyone's saying, good job, Brad, for living, which is kind of rare these days. But I think people are getting tired of Brad a little bit in this market. But uh, I think he, he has a win this time. Do you think he's done? Is he going to just kind of sit on his laurels on this trade or is there something else he's going to do? Well, everyone says that um, maybe we need a bit more depth, you know, on the back end because our third pairing, if you look at Goodbranson and Zadorov, they're these twin towers, 6'6 and 6'5 and they're big bodies, but that's really what really all they are. They're just kind of like, they're, they kind of stand there and, and they're hard to get through and they play hard and they hit hard and, uh, but I think they would like a bit more depth and probably in that third pairing. So I can see them, see them trying for, and maybe a, a depth defenseman. There was some chat chatter about Sherratt from Montreal being part of this package, but that didn't come to fruition. But uh, um, so I don't think they're done. I think we could see one more, maybe minor move, some kind of depth guy, but I think finding another score, that was what they really needed. And I think they got it. I think they got their guy, you know, they would, they've been eyeing, um to Foley for two years like they were supposedly in on him when Vancouver got him and they were supposedly in on him when Montreal got him last year so this is someone they've had their eye on and I think this is why they also got him five weeks early they wanted to make sure they got him so no I think it's uh I think I don't I don't see much much else happening maybe a depth defense and maybe we'll see did you feel that uh maybe he overpaid or do you feel it's a fair trade because in in Montreal Clearly the fan base is divided as it always is. And it goes from, man, this is what a wonderful trade to, oh my God, they got fleeced. So where do you place the value on this deal from the flame side? Well, I think, um, I guess giving up a number one draft pick is always a big deal, but if the flames continue their current trajectory. Like they could be, this, this pick could be a 25th, you know, overall pick or a 27th or something like it's going to be, if the flames are as good as they're, they are right now, it could be a late round pick. So it's like, I think you don't stress as much about late round picks. And for that prospect, like I said, off the top here, like giving up Heinemann is, uh, is, uh, you know, is not, you know, he's a good player, but he wasn't one of the ones that local fans are really, you know, like in love with. And, um, and as for like losing Pitlick, like he hasn't played much this year. He probably played less than half the games. It was a $1.57 million cap hit, which helped uh, get uh, Foley in, you know, like, and, uh, and no one's going to miss him in this market. Like uh, he, he wasn't, he was kind of a bust. And so I think he, the, the Habs did the Flames a favor by taking him off our hands. So, and fifth round pick, that could go either way. Like uh, Andrew Mandrapani is a fifth round pick. And he's our top scorer. Or, and, but then they say, like, like whatever, 15% of all fifth-round picks, you know, play one game in the NHL. Like, like it's, it's a crapshoot, fifth-round pick. So I think, I think the Flames won this trade. And uh, as opposed to, like, it being, like, you know, a fair deal, I think they won it outright. That's my opinion. What about you, Treg? What do you think? I don't think Montreal was looking to win the trade. Uh, I think they, they had a 30 year old at at two years left on his contract. I think this shows the Montreal fans that they're going to be doing a rebuild and not a reset, not a typical Montreal 
we're going to put a few players here and a few players there to see what we can do. Um, <clears throat> I think the return for Toffoli was good. I, I'm not Peltier, uh, Cordero and Zari. I don't think we're on the table. I, I, I truly believe that uh, they were, they were a non-starter uh, and Toffoli from what I hear the, what the rumors say is he had two choices. He wanted LA or Calgary if he was getting traded. And uh, uh, I think Kent Hughes went with, with, with Calgary. I, I don't know if he even talked to LA, but I, I mean, I think Calgary, Calgary was hard on Toffoli. I think for a while now, I, I, I think they've been talking for longer than just a few days. Um, I think the first on Montreal side was a guarantee. They're like, we're, we're taking a first or we might as well just hang up the phone now. And I think that's what got, uh, I mean, if they would have said that uh, we want one of those three, I mentioned the first probably comes off the table from Calgary's side. Um, Heinemann, this is his third team. I'm going to say, I think now in two years, uh, he's an unsigned player. He has one year left before uh, he can pretty much become a free agent. Um, but he's having a successful year in the SHL. He's playing in a men's league. He's uh, second on his team in goal scoring. Um, if I were to compare him from what I've read and from what I've seen, he's a little bit bigger, uh, a Turi Lekkinen that can actually put the puck in the net. He's more um, of a Yelonen style. If you're, if you're a Habs fan and you're, you're looking to make some kind of comparison based on style, he's more of a Yelonen than he is a Lekkinen. I, I look at more as a Lekkinen because he's better defensively than Yolen. It's going to be, I believe. So <clears throat> according to his coach, he's a very coachable player. He loves to play a two-way game. Uh, Hack and Lube had a lot of good things to say about him uh, over there in Sweden. Is he the big prospect that we thought we we're going to get back from? Absolutely not. But I, like I said, I really don't think the three prospects that everyone thought they were getting back uh, were re- even on the table. And if you think about a 25th pick, uh, Zary and Peltier were 24th and 26th picks uh, when yeah. Calgary picked them. So you could, and this year, if you listen to uh, Marco D'Amico, the hockey expert, he believes from 15 to 25 is going to be where the strongest part of this draft is going to be this year. Uh, so really, I, I don't think it's a bad, t- I mean, a lot of Habs fans are looking at Toffoli from his last year's totals and, oh, well, he's a 40 goal scorer if he played a full season. Toffoli's an average 25 goal scorer, 50 point guy. He's not a consistent 30 to 40 goal scorer. Um, so you're not going to get this big haul back for a guy who's second, third line type player which is what Toffoli realistically is. In Montreal, no, because just the way the Montreal is structured. But on Calgary, I, I would I could easily see him playing on the third line. I think they have him penciled in on the second line for tonight. But uh, with Mag, according to Offside or whatever that uh, website is that shows the lines, uh, Magpie is on the third. He's on the on the second. But Magpie, <laughs> whatever Magnapie, whatever the fuck his name Magipi. is, I don't know. Manjapai. Anyway, he's uh, <laughs> you know the, he's on, the, according... the the EA Sports when it, when I play uh, NHL hockey, they they still can't pronounce his name. They call him Manjapain. Manjapain. So, anyways, Whatever. No, I butcher everybody's name. So, yeah, tracks uh, are Don Cherry. Um, <laughs> they got him in a third, and so I don't know. I like. I mean. Uh, who uh, Blake Coleman's the only guy I can see him replace him in the top six if he replaces anyone and. Coleman's not having a terrible year for Calgary either. So 
We'll see how it goes. I don't. Well, I think it was a fair trade. I think it was a fair trade. Is what I think. But and on that, where where Greg, where do you feel that Toffoli is best suited in the roster right now? Well, I was uh, I was on Twitter today, and the, they were saying at practice he was on a line, but Sean Monahan, which is I guess his his former junior, you know, yeah. teammate and roommate and friend. And, um, and Dylan Dubé, and uh, if they could get that line going, like, you know, like, it, it's no secret that Monaghan has fallen off a cliff for his, like, offensive production. He's the kind of gone from, from like, a, one of a, the best, the better centers probably in, in the division to, like, now a third or fourth line guy, which is kind of crazy to say. But if, if someone like Toffoli can get Monaghan going and actually get a third line going, then, then the Flames become a three-line team because their their first line has been like one of the best teams in the league. Like there's there's no two ways about it. And their second line has been coming alive. You've got Manjapani, Coleman, and uh, have actually come alive in recent games, as well as uh, Michael Backlund, who was very quiet in the first half and he's been having a resurgence. So that second line is on fire right now. And, and if they could have a third line, because good teams have three lines that can really score. And the Flames were the number one team in the Western Conference a few years ago. They were a one-line team, and they were totally exposed in that first-round series against Colorado. They were embarrassed by them. You know, they, were, they had the best record in the West, but they were really a one-line team. And for the, a good chunk of this year, they were a one-line team. But that one line was so great that it didn't seem to matter. They were putting up points. Goudreau's having a career year. Kachuk's having a career year. And Lindholm is very underrated uh, as a, as a first-line center. And he's like, they're one, two, three in scoring. And so, and if, and if that line's going and the second line is now going with Coleman and Manjapani, and if Toffoli can give this guy, give this team a third line that's productive, like I'm thinking, you know, this team could go, you know, second round for sure. You know, like maybe he's the piece that's been missing to kind of get them over the hump to try and become a successful playoff team. So no, this is kind of a big deal here in Calgary and people have been, doing line combinations all day, all day yesterday. And uh, I think he's going to fit in pretty well, you know, in this, in this town. And he's already, you know, Mr. Popular, like people are loving this trade and Milan Lucic picked him up at the airport last night and staying at his well, house, was, I guess, like they're friends. And so, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good fit, friends. I think. Yeah. Um, speak, speak. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of Gaudreau, <laughs> is he on the market <laughs> or is he not on the market? <laughs> Well, I don't, they have, they have a lot of guys to sign. They have Kachuk, Goudreau, and all of a sudden Oliver Shillington, who was a, a kind of a nobody in this organization. Now he's like their top line, you know, top pairing guy. All of a sudden he came out of nowhere this year. And all of a sudden Manjapani has 24 goals and um, on pace for like over 40. And like, they got to sign that guy. They got four guys they got to sign. So something's got to give. And so um, I think nothing will happen to the off season, but if this team goes deep, then maybe they can use that to say, hey, you know, Johnny Hockey, you know, like we're a good team, you know, like, come on, like, let's give us a, you know, give us a go. But, um, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen with, with Pedro because he's having this career year and um, has he, has he, you know, outpriced himself in this market? I don't even know what's going to happen with this guy because uh, he's, he's like, a, some people are talking about the heart trophy, but I think that's a bit of a stretch, but uh, this is how important he's been to this team, you know, and Daryl Sutter loves him and, it's uh it's it's been a fun year to, to watch that top line for sure i just He's, think it would suck to see him go for nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's all wouldn't that that would just be let me typical calorie flame stuff because you know like this uh it seems like uh we can't seem to 
close any any big free agents. We can't seem to make any big deals. And uh, you know, like people were all slobbering over over signing Blake Coleman in the off season. But like, like that was a big signing for this group. When when they're you know like when thought they were like in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes and everything else. Like this is an organization that we can't seem to get these big signings and. And they lose players, and so I don't know. I, I guess I would love to see Kudrow back because he's obviously a high-end talent, and uh, and he's playing well. Yeah, I, I do feel that the reason they want, they pulled the trigger on Toffoli right away is a lot to do with the fact that he has term left on this contract. So it's yeah. kind of an insurance factor for if Goudreau leaves that they they don't lose too much offense, and it's probably also why Pelty was not someone they want to give up because he seems to be the heir apparent on the wing to bring that kind of game that Johnny hockey brings. Yes. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I've been reading that, uh, that Toffoli's kind of like, um, can play anywhere up in this lineup and he's kind of an insurance policy for if anyone gets hurt in that first line, you go, oh, let's bring up Toffoli now. So, so I, I totally agree that uh, the fact that he has terms a big deal because Brad Living kept on saying, I'm not a big fan of rentals. I don't do rentals. And he hasn't. If, if you look at his, at his history, the guy does not get trade deadline rentals. You know, he, this guy is two more years after this year. And it's, it's reasonable. It's a, this, this is, a, this is a player who I think last year, was on pace for like 44 goals in a full season. So like he's capable of being kind of a sniper. I don't know if he's an elite sniper, but he, he can definitely, you know, put the puck in the net. And uh, Daryl Sutter was like in his monotone way, but he was really kind of pushing. He was at the press conference yesterday. He was saying he can do everything like power play, penalty kill. He's a three on three overtime guy. He can be really good. You know, he could play up, up and down your, your lineup. So it's like, you know, I'm really excited about seeing him play tonight and uh, seeing where he plays. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's um, I'm just hoping that this is a guy who can kind of put him over the hump because he's, um, this is a team that once they get to the playoffs, they just fizzle. They, they just, they can't seem to get over the hump. And like, maybe is one player enough to get them over the hump? You know, who knows? But uh, it's going to be fun to, to find out if, uh, if he can make an impact and actually uh, make this a kind of a three line team. Yeah. That, you know, you know, Sutter's happy with the trade when he almost cracks a smile. <laughs> I know it's, it's hilarious. Like he, I, I, I watch all his pressers and uh, you know, I'm getting to, to kind of appreciate his style a, a bit more because he's very honest and he's very direct. And um, you know, he answers the questions like he does. The, the, there's no fooling around. There's no dancing around questions. He doesn't deflect. He just answers everything but uh but the way he talked about Toffoli and his and there's just blank sour dour Daryl Sutter face you know but he was lots of great things to say about him but uh he just just the way he says it he was like he could not be uh more more unanimated uh, he's like a almost like a walking corpse at times but anyways but he's he's turned this team around there, there's no one there's no one can complain about that you know there was some of us writers were complaining when they hired him saying like, why are they hiring this dinosaur but he's getting the job done and he does have a shelf life, but it's hasn't happened yet. Like he's, he's, people are still buying in. And the good thing about Toffoli is there's no learning curve. He just shows up. He knows exactly what Sutter wants from him, what Sutter expects from him. Like he's, you want to stand the cup with this guy. So, so that's the good news is there's no learning curve. He knows exactly how to play Sutter style hockey, you know, as they, as they call it. So no, it's uh, and, and he knows, Tavoli knows people on this team. He knows the Vancouver guys. You know, he, he knows the LA Kings guys. You know, Sutter, like, 
there's a, you know, there's a Monaghan connection. Like, geez, this, this guy walked into the dressing room and he knows half the guys. So it's, yeah, it's a, kind of like it's a, a high school reunion for him. Yeah. And so I, I think, and, and the fact that he's there early means like you, you get all of these kind of like um, kinks worked out because Blake Coleman, to be honest with you, wasn't doing much in the first couple of, couple of months of the season. He was like playing. Okay. Defensively he's a good 200 foot guy, but he, he wasn't scoring. He wasn't putting points up, but just in the last month, Blake Coleman's come alive. And I think it takes a guy from a new team some time to adjust. And I think Coleman proved that he, he he's kind of adjusted and he's got some chemistry now and maybe to it'll take him a few weeks. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not expecting fireworks I'm right off the bat, but I think that's why they brought him in early too, just to see if they could work the kinks out before the playoffs. Now, as it stands right now, the, the flames pick sits at 18 uh, worst case scenario for the Habs fans. That is uh, it goes to mm-hmm. 25th unless yeah. they make it past the second round. Do they have the team to make it out of their division? Well, I wasn't sure. Um, but when they played uh, Vegas golden Knights last week, you know, and just mopped the floor with them, that, that was a, that was kind of a, well, I would say it's a, you know, what, measuring stick game or a statement game or whatever you want to call it but it was an important game you know that they that they showed that they could not only keep up with the golden knights but they actually just played great and i think a part of a huge part of it is jacob markstrom he is a guy who is having a vesna type of year but um i think the fact that they have markstrom who is having a career year eight shutouts he's two away from kippersoft's record um if if, if they can keep him healthy and keep him playing like he's playing I think a lot of teams uh win playoff series with hot goaltenders and uh I think he's he's the kind of guy who can do that if they keep him healthy I'm a bit worried about him because they've he's he's never played more than 60 games in a season and he's on pace for probably closer to 70 the way that Sutter's playing Sutter hadn't had played 12 games in a row and they finally the backup Dan Vladar is getting a start finally tonight against Columbus and it's it's he hasn't played since early January and um, in, in a press conference a few weeks ago, he was saying, you know, oh, the other guy hasn't won much. The other guy, he, he, he wouldn't even call him by his first or his name. You kept on calling him the other guy. Like, that's not a good sign when your coach just calls you the other guy. And so I'm just, I'm a bit worried that they're going to overplay Markstrom. But um, but uh, if, if he can stay healthy and if, if they can keep up the scoring that they've been doing, like, uh, I think the Flames can definitely get out of, out of the second round. Like, I, I think it's... Uh, I think this is they're kind of this is kind of go all in year. Like when they kind of got to Foley, that was that was kind of a big deal, and they saw okay, this is this is a year that maybe they can make some some waves. And I think if 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 if, if they can, I think Vegas is the only one that's really holding them back. I think the California teams are going to just keep on fading. Edmonton's a wild card. Are they good? Are they bad? I can't tell. And um, so yeah, I think this is this is Calgary's year. It's a weak division. So if, if you're going to get to the final four, this is your year to do it. Greg? That's all right. I think the draft pick is, is irrelevant where it's at because I, I truly believe they're, if they get another first or they're going to take one of their seconds or they're going to move up in the draft. So I, I think whether they get 25th or 18, I mean, if it's around 18, 19, maybe they keep it. But if they're in around 25, if they trade Sherratt, looks like Sherratt's going to get a first round back. That's three first rounds Montreal's going to have. They're they're not keeping them all. So I can see them uh, moving whichever one's the highest and moving up in the draft for 
for whatever they want. What I'm hoping is a team like uh, Dallas or St. Louis, who's on the bubble of inner road. Uh, actually, I think St. Louis is doing quite well, but one of those teams makes a trade and then uh, uh, you see, you know, then maybe not make the playoffs and that draft pick looks that much better. But uh, uh, I mean, another thing I, I like to say, a lot of people were saying that, you know, oh, we got a high draft or a low draft pick. What's the point with a low? Dra-? I'm like, you're not going to trade any of these players to a team that's going to give you a top 15 draft pick because, no team in the in the, in the in the bottom of the league is is trading to trading away their their draft picks. So, I mean, I know St. Louis has interest in Sherratt, uh, which I think is the next person we're looking at to move. Calgary has interest in Sherratt. Um, I think if Sherratt goes to Calgary, then you have to look at Zari or Peltier as something coming back because the first is gone. Um, but yeah, like I say, Dallas or uh, St. Louis or other teams that are interested, they're both kind of on the cusp of Dallas isn't even in the playoffs right now. Uh, they're both on the cusp of being in the playoffs or not. So I think Montreal's just gonna, if they get two or three first more than what they have now, then you're going to see them pile them together. So it really doesn't matter where you're getting at. It really doesn't matter where the pick's coming from. Uh, cause I think they're going to use it to move up anyway. Well, it, it matters in the case of value. You, you mm. don't need to trade up if you're your guy sitting at 18 and your picks at 18. Exactly. You're not going to trade up. You're not going to trade so, up, but you can, but I mean, if you're sitting at 25 and you have a, the 25th pick and say the 28th pick yeah, package them together and get a 15 pick, you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. uh, probably even lower, you could probably get almost top 10 for two high, uh, lower first rounders, but possible. It's possible. Uh, I, I, I that's my prediction of what I think Montreal is going to do. Um, and like I said, even if they stay at 25, Calgary got Peltier and Zari at 24 and 26. So it's not like you're not going to get a, or, or there's a possibility you can get a, a very good, I mean, Peltier is a point per game player in the AHL, but I will say so was Charlie Houdon. So that's true. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But let's see how he does the in the NHL. Hey, let's see how they do in the NHL before we uh, predict what's good and what's bad. And, and that brings me to Emil Heineman. Uh, I was talking to some scouts, and <clears throat> the word was that the Canadians were targeting him as opposed to guys like Zari and Peltier because they wanted uh, a larger frame, someone who plays with speed, someone who plays with a little bit of grit plays above the puck, you know, and, and thinks the game quickly. So he wanted someone with that, that package and Heinemann fit that description. Apparently Gorton was really sold on him and pushed for Heinemann in the deal on top of the first. So that kind of goes in with the, uh, the, the style that uh, Hughes has mentioned. He wants the team to start going towards a fast team. Uh, a team that executes at speed possession. That's the kind of player that he is. Um, So that's probably what they're going to be targeting in the draft as well. If they have three picks, four picks, whatever, that's my, that's my guess. Now on Heineman, you Treg, you, you mentioned you did a little bit of research on him. What more did you see other than just kind of comparing him a little bit to like an, uh, he's, I mean, he's fast. He's good with the puck. He has a good uh, hockey sense. Like he, he's smart with the puck, especially in the offensive zone. He has a quick release. Uh, 
Um, I don't think he's a top six player. Don't let don't, uh, you know, but I think he's going to be a smart third line player that could bump up to the top second line if need be. Uh, from what I read from his coaches, he's very coachable, which is, uh, which is good to have, especially when you have a coach that never coached before. So, uh, <laughs> um, so he's, he's very coachable and I think he has all the intangibles that, uh, Hughes and Gordon are looking for. Like you said, he's fast. Uh, he, he's, you know, he provides a spark. He's big. Um, and I think, uh, I think, I think it'll be good. Is he going to make the bunch of, I have no idea. He's not even signed yet. They're going. Uh, they have a year to sign him. Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four is when they have to sign him by. Yeah. So I mean, I I can see maybe him signing him and bringing him over to play in uh, Laval for a year before before he comes up, and and that, and that's fine. You have uh, Yolan in and a couple of other guys that are already in Laval that are ready to to make this make the next step up anyway. Um, I guess it all depends on the fire sale we're going to see for the Montreal Canadians between now and next season. And uh, I, I, the big thing you're going to look at with the Toffoli deal is because Toffoli did say he wanted to stay in Montreal and work through this uh, thing earlier in the season uh, is he's 30 years old. So I think you're going to see, and Brendan Gallagher, you better watch out because I think you're going to see them try to get rid of a lot of the guys that are 29, 30, hitting their 30 year old with, uh, with contract, uh, with, you know, term like Petrie will be gone guaranteed, uh, you know, and, and yeah. guys like that. He's so, already asked to go. So I, I think, you know, what we see this Foley deal is exactly Gorton and Hughes plan is pretty much coming out where we're, our vets are going to be young vets like Anderson. They've already said they like to keep Anderson as a veteran. Anderson is what, 27 years old. He will so, be. He's not even there yet. Yeah, he, he will be 27. You might see Druin stay because Druin's only 26 years old. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I just think you're going to look at them, keep the younger guys at between 26 and 28, whereas anyone 28 and higher, you're going to see them moved out is, is what, I, what I think you're, you're going to see. But back on uh, back on Heineman, uh, his coach at Lexan, uh, Bjorn Helquist, mentioned that he definitely sees the potential in uh, Heineman's case. Uh, he gives him maybe one more season before going to North America. And he sees him ready to play immediately in a middle six role. Uh, mentioning that four check is one of his strengths. He likes that gritty game and he's definitely a North American style player. Now, Greg, you guys had him in Calgary for a full year. So you had some time to look at, uh, to, to watch his game and, and kind of see how he's progressed. So what did you see in that one year? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, a lot of times in the past, it seems like whenever Flames made a big trade and, and the guy they kind of got back or, or prosper or something, it never seemed to work out. And it never seemed to, people always complained about, about the return for these trades. You know, we've had some big players leave at the trade deadline and some other, you know, they never seemed to, nothing ever came of came of the guy coming back but i i kind of took note that people were actually kind of excited about heineman like they're they, when, when sam bennett wanted to trade people thought we're not going to get anything for this guy you know like he, he wants out and desperately and they're going to flames are going to find a way to get get rid of this guy and what are we going to get back and so when when the heineman came was the other return for this trade people were thinking actually hey this guy's a decent prospect like he's actually someone 
that they could see, you know, coming over and maybe playing with a Stockton Heat in the year or something, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I agree with you guys that with his skill set and uh, a bit bigger frame, and, you know, and maybe plays with more grit than some of the other guys, you know, in the, in the system. And so I think he's, he's someone who local people, local fans were actually excited for the return. You know, like it, it seemed like we got burned a lot in some of these deals where we, we never got anything. So he was actually someone in the system uh, while he was, he was not one of our draft picks. He was definitely was someone that people were excited about. And so when he went, it was like, you know, that's too bad. But again, he wasn't one of these untouchables like Coronado, brand new guy in town, you know, but still he was someone who I thought was going to be playing possibly in the AHL, if not next year, the year after that, playing for the Stockton Heat. So I thought he was a good prospect and someone who's going to possibly, you know, within two years, maybe play for the Flames. Yeah, see, with the Canadians, the problem has always been development. That's been the issue for the last decade. So uh, targeting prospects that are already starting the maturing process, to me, is a good idea, especially if they're in another system. So in his case, he's over in Lexan, which is a good, is a very good program. Let him mature out there. And I think that's part of why he was targeted, because they can just leave him at arm's length. He has been, uh, he's already stated that he's looking forward to playing in North America. So he has one more year under his contract with them. And then after that, the goal is to, was to sign with Calgary. <laughs> so replace Calgary with Montreal now, and it's just the same steps. So with him, he was still a, another two year project for whoever had him. And for the Canadians, they have that patience now because like, like Treg mentioned, they're definitely going rebuild. So I didn't think it was that high a price to pay for Calgary to get a player like Toffoli, especially when you guys are looking to compete right now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take this wrong way, but for Canadians fans, they want to see Calgary lose in the second round. <laughs> yeah. I understand but that. And uh, you guys get that first round win. We're all for, uh, you know, we'll cheer you on for that. Yeah. But after that, forget it. Or drop yeah. out of the playoffs altogether. <laughs> that happen? As long as, he, as long as you don't drop in the bottom 10, <laughs> we still get the pick. There's only one team yeah. you like watching lose in the first round. That's Toronto. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, we have, uh, it's kind of I have, I play beer league hockey. We have a couple of Leafs fans and, our biggest joy in life is to rip those guys and rip that team and, uh, you know, highlight their abject failure to get out of the first round. And, um, and it's funny because every, every, every year they say, this is our year. And they're, they're typical Leafs fans. They're just so delusional. They just don't know. They don't get it. They don't get it that their team will never, ever succeed. So, so yeah, I, 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 I enjoy watching those guys crater every first round. And last year was no, no exception. That was, that was a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing to we see. We enjoyed it. Yes, I can imagine. Well, they're playing Tampa or uh, Florida this year. And now they're already <laughs> complaining about the way the, ske- the playoff schedule works yeah. out. And now they weren't complaining last year because <laughs> they were playing Montreal and thought they had yeah. it in the bag. And, but, exactly. uh, you know what? If build a better team, you don't have to worry about the teams you're playing. That's all exactly. 
So is there one team that you don't want the Flames to meet in that first round? I mean, other than Vegas, of course. Um, you know, I, it would be great if they could win the division. But, uh, you know, like I, um, when the Flames were number one in the Western Conference, they, they met Colorado and they were obliterated. And uh, if, if the Flames, you know, get into a wild card situation, then they could definitely be facing Colorado. And that would be the worst thing because I think there's some I think they would get obliterated again I just don't know um I think the Flames have to do well in the Pacific they have to get that number one seed or, or the second seed I would love to see them play against the Oilers I think the Oilers are probably the best bet to get that third seed and what I would you know I've lived in Calgary since 1993 and uh you know I would love to see a battle of Alberta again you know, like that, that's my number one wish list you know that would just be that would blow the roof off of the saddle dome and it would, and the red mile would be the red 10 miles. Like it would just be ecstasy, you know, for to actually see that. So that's what I'd like to see, but I would hate to hate to drop down a bit and face Colorado. That would be just, you know, a nightmare scenario. Cause I, I don't think they, as, as good as they've been playing, I don't know if they could match up with that team. Yeah, but television-wise, I think the more entertaining one would definitely be the old Smythe Division showdown with the blood flowing oh, yeah. across the Red Mile. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be just great. I would, uh, you know, I would, I just don't know um, Edmonton is if they're going to cooperate because some nights they actually look pretty good and other nights, you know, they're, they get beaten, you know, four, four nothing by Vegas. So it's like those guys are, hard team to read. And I'm, I'm glad I don't have to write about the Oilers because uh, that would be, I don't, I don't I wouldn't know where to begin with those guys. You know what would make it epic? If Darnell Nurse banks it off the skate of Mike Smith into the net to lose the, huh. uh, to lose game seven of the series. Yeah. Does Darnell anyone remember? So, he, Does it, he, am I bringing back any memories for anyone? <laughs> yeah. You know, Steve Smith. I wasn't even a Flames fan back then because I was. I'm from Saskatchewan originally, where you can cheer for anybody, and uh, and I remember that vividly watching that happen. And uh, you know, like I think I was tired of the Oilers winning, so everyone was kind of kind of laughing at that, and you know, and uh, and it directly led to the Flames Stanley Cup, so that was a good thing for them. But no, like uh, it's uh, it's 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 fun to cheer against those guys, and it's uh, like I'm not from Alberta, so I don't have this inbred hatred of the Oilers like like some I, I know some some locals who would just you know I don't know they would drive their car over Oilers fans if given the opportunity they, they just you know they just can't stand it. the rivalry is so heated but like uh but I'm not from this province so I don't have that inbred rivalry built into my psyche but uh no it would be just be the best thing ever to have that happen it's been far too long I can't remember I couldn't even tell you when the last series was it had to have been I don't know, late 80s. I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's late 80s or I don't know either. maybe 1990. I'm not even sure when the last Battle of Alberta was. I Both Calgary and Edmonton made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in the 90s. Yeah, like, well, the Oilers won in 90, so they probably went through yeah. Calgary to get there. But uh, Flames faced Tampa Bay. The yeah, there was there, there was no yeah. I don't think there's been a battle of Alberta since I don't know. No, I don't know. Has not be. in the playoffs for quite some time. No, no, not not in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, so that would be just something else. So cross your fingers for that. Even though you guys are far removed, that would be. I think that would be one of the best uh, series in, in you'll ever see. 
well, we won't have too much to watch in the playoffs from Montreal. So we're we'll still waiting to... for the we're still waiting for the Battle of Quebec to to, to reopen in uh, the NHL. <laughs> you know, I, I unfortunately I they separated fan. from the province. Yeah, I, I'm an old Nordiques fan. Actually, I I was I was disappointed. I was cheering for that team. You know, I, I still feel for those fans when the you know like they. They have a great team. It leaves, and they immediately win the Stanley Cup. Like, how does that happen? That that's just unheard of. That is, and and I thought maybe there's a sliver of a chance when Arizona kept cratering year after year. It's like, and they're going to play in a fucking three three thousand eight hundred seat Arizona State College Stadium. Like, what is going on there? Like, they're not seats. Bush they're benches. They're, they're not benches. even seats. It's just benches that go yeah, all the way around. Well, <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. And, and and like and and NHL kind of goes, well, you know, they're gonna build it. You really think they're gonna build anything there? Like that's gonna be they'll they'll play in that stupid college stadium for two or three years and then they're gonna come complaining again. And Bettman will he's bending over backwards. Can you imagine if any other market th- this was happening? You know, like he would they'd be gone so fast. It's just any other you know, as Canadian market. They would be gone yeah. so fast. Oh, exactly. Like, you know, how how fast did they fold up Winnipeg? How fast did they fold yeah. up Quebec? Like, it was just, oh, it just kind of drives Canadians crazy when they're doing everything in their power to keep that franchise there. And it, it's just ridiculous. Move the team to Saskatoon. Sell out. <laughs> you know, I, I'm from Saskatchewan, and I remember Saskatoon's got the blues. That was the big thing. And I was in high school at the time, and Bill Hunter, I think, was the owner of uh, some. He, he was going to bring him there, and and the, the NHL Board of Governors, and I think they had one team vote yes. You know, they had like a league-wide vote of like at the, of the twenty-one teams at the time, and I think one. I can't remember which one did, but like twenty or twenty-one said no. Nope. The not even Canadian teams were, were were approving of this of this sale. You know, like that was, uh, but that was a big deal for 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 a guy like me. Growing up in Saskatchewan, all we have is Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, and that's it. The only game in town, and there was a there was a slim chance people were like buying T-shirts and hats. Saskatoon's got the blues. That was a good catchphrase, actually. Uh, well, the yeah, Saskatoon Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, but you know they they have a building that like Winnipeg almost started playing games in that building a couple. Of, you know they were talking about that. So, but that building is old. It's pretty crappy. It's uh, it needs well, uh, well it's better than a thirty five hundred seat. Yeah. Arena. Exactly. Quebec has a it's brand new arena with all the high tech uh, stuff for it, and it's twenty thousand seats. And uh... no, no, you guys aren't ready. No, no. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put these guys in this uh, outdoor rink that uh, people can watch <laughs> uh, as they drive by. And... Well, no, all I'm saying is these uh, Coyotes players had better have a Houston realtor on speed dial. Yeah. What's Patrick yeah. Brown going to do if Arizona leaves, though? See, he, he got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He'll move, oh, too. He'll move, too. He was just complaining about uh, his day job, so he'll, he'll move. <laughs> uh, all right, so before we end the show, we're going to give some final thoughts. Uh, Treg, I'll let you go first. Don't uh, get too... Th- emotionally invested in any players on the Montreal Canadiens between now and uh, uh, next year, because uh, I have a funny feeling there's going to be a complete overhaul in, in Montreal. Uh, I, I tweeted the, yesterday, uh, Sherratt and Lekkinen, I think they're the next two to go. Uh, Petrie's, I think, close behind. 
I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, not Lekkonen. I'm sorry, but uh, he's going to get a good haul. He's going to get a good return. And uh, that's uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles in uh, Montreal right now. Yeah, he's seen as the next Blake Coleman. So, yeah, I see him, I see him going. Now, Greg, what are your final thoughts? And then uh, as well, let our reminder listeners where they can find you. Okay. Well, my final thought is uh, I think that Tyler Toffoli is going to be living in Milan Lucic's basement for the next uh, two months, and he's going to love it. The best friends, loves their family, loves their kids. He's like Uncle Uncle Tyler. And uh, I think he's going to find a good a good mix, a good home, and a good connection in Calgary. I think he's uh, going to be very successful. You know, I think he's going to be the missing link that they need to kind of put him over the hump and uh, spoil your guys' second-round uh loss aspirations but uh and so yeah i think he's i think thank you Montreal Canadians. i think he's going to be a, a guy that's going to be very successful and so and i i think i might be writing about him next on the hockeywriters.com and uh you can find uh find me there or at greg tosowski on twitter that's t-y-s-o-w-s-k-i a good polish slash ukrainian name if for people who can't spell and uh but yeah and thanks a lot for having me it's been a lot of fun <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, uh, especially on short notice from yet, just from yesterday after the trade happened, I reached out immediately and y- you, you were gracious enough to, to, uh, to accept. So again, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, you've given our listeners a little bit to think about and something to look forward to. Uh, and for my listeners, I want to thank you guys for listening, checking us out, sending us, keep sending us those emails, keep sending us those uh, DMS. Uh, we will follow up on all of your, your ideas, because if you're talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to habsunfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 
do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.